0: Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die diehard oversharer someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I am Sunny and I'm So glad you're here today. Uh, We're digging into a big, juicy topic today, which we all have our own personal experiences with social media. Ah, I hate it. I love it. I take time away from it and think it's the greatest thing. And then I come back and connect with people and also think it's the greatest thing, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, however you choose to engage with people on social media. It can be a really rewarding, but also a really draining experience. So I'm really excited for today's guest. We have speaker, media trainer, and author, Jessica Abo. She wrote the book, Unfiltered, How to Be As Happy As You Look on Social Media. And I'm gonna take my earring out, Jessica, because I just realized it's hitting my headphone here. Here we go. Let's bring Jessica on, who's live right now in California. So Jess, thank you for waking up early to chat with us, because uh, it's six o'clock there.
1: Anything for you, anything for you and for your, for your community. I'm happy to have a conversation with you about this topic.
0: This is a big one. Why I have to say on a personal note, before we get uh, started chatting here, Jessica and I were interns at Dateline NBC. Well, you did the the Today Show too, all the way back in 2001, which we're dating ourselves, Jess, but um, what a time,
1: man. What a time.
0: All these memories of sharing an elevator with Ann Curry. I mean, we had a really, it was like before social media, so we weren't Mm -hmm. sharing any of this kind of stuff. But now that I look back, I'm like, man, that was actually a pretty cool experience. I, I know, and, and and those were the good old days, right? Yes, oh my gosh. Do you have any crazy stories that you want to share before we go, Before
1: we start well, talking social media? We, we were separated by a few floors and I was working in the special news unit with Geraldo Rivera and his producers. So I just feel like every day was a really Interesting experience being in that environment, and I don't know. I just sort of felt like that's when TV was still TV magic, mm-hmm. and there wasn't this reality TV component as much. I don't even. I think maybe the only thing that was out there at that time was Road Rules, which I mean now I'm really dating myself. But <laughs> I just I feel like there was this um, really special thing about being a journalist, being at Dateline. It was like really the holy grail, you know, to be able to be at those news magazine shows back then. And now these journalists, just because, you know, you pick up your phone, you take a picture, you record something, you post it. And then like, voila, you know, you're, you're a producer too. So I don't know, there was something about that time that I thought was so special.
0: It was really special. This will date us further just before we move on. We used to get, so a Dateline, you know, people had viewers essentially had these great stories that they would pitch by mailing in letters no even like this was when email was like on the cusp they are like we have this email address but we really don't do much with it we would open letters at dateline and read these people's stories and hand it to a producer be like I think this one has legs but I mean like it was literal (laughs) snail mail and I'm thinking oh my
1: god how things and, and you you were working in such a cool department. So you were still in the era of headshots and yes. sending VHS cassette tapes. And both of us, I'm sure, started out this way, but we were taught in school, you know, you just send out as many VHS cassette tapes as you possibly can. And then you call up a news director and you say, I'm going to I just randomly happened to be coming to Hartford, Connecticut, even though you were like in LA at the time. Um, <laughs> this weekend, could you meet with me on Saturday morning or Sunday morning? Or and and that's how we would get our foot in the door. It's like you know, it was like spray and pray, and oh yeah, and, you know, try to knock down a door and get a get an interview.
0: Yeah, that's another place. I Intern is is it taking. Um not only taped, but resumes. And I would input into their new system, nbctalent.com. And I would have to call the people and be like, we received your resume, we're putting it into our system. they're like, did I get a job? And I'm like, no, I'm an intern. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure I spelled your name right. Oh my god. Uh, we could talk for for days. Things have changed, though. And I do think that that really plays into today's topic, because people have access today, like they don't have like we never have had before, whether it's to big companies to people we've lost touch with. In your book, unfiltered how to be as happy as you look on social media. What was one of the biggest takeaways that after speaking with all the experts about the social impact, how uh, you know, helps businesses that you kind of walked away with after writing this book?
1: Gosh, there were so many. One that comes to mind, just going off of what you just said, is how long it took for radio to reach 50 million uh, listeners. It was years versus Pokemon Go, which took a week. So I think when we feel like social media and technology happens to be everywhere, it really is. And it's making our lives move that much faster. Even this year with the pandemic, every... um, retailer or e-commerce person I interviewed for my entrepreneur.com business slot. Everything talked about how technology accelerated, what stores would have done in a brick and mortar way by five times because of what we can do online. So the whole world is moving faster and we're more connected than ever and all that's really interesting. But when I was doing a podcast on my book tour at NYU with several doctors, one of the most interesting things that had come up by one of the doctors was that people who work on slot machines, were also some of those same people who helped develop some of these social media platforms. So there was already this idea of getting people hooked and keeping them there, which I've never been able to forget and I thought was incredibly interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, I can't wait to dive into how it's impacting our psychology based on the experts that you've interviewed. I do want to mention, though, your extensive background here, because when you're approaching this topic of social media, you're approaching it as someone who utilized that platform in in many of your jobs. So give us a brief sort of um, curriculum vitae, if you will, of where you worked and how those jobs inspire the writing of this book
1: sure so i'm 40 so that just kind of puts this into context a little bit so when i graduated from college i went to northwestern i studied at their journalism school at medill when i left it, everything was still in person and old school style as i started getting into the business more and more the people that i was competing against to get a job they weren't people who were from other journalism programs they were people who were on dancing with the stars they were contestants on the bachelor people who were on these reality shows who had an audience, you didn't even call them a following at that point because there weren't followers on social media quite yet. And then that morphed into me going to other small markets, Burlington, Vermont, spending time in Lexington, Kentucky, working my way up to get to grad school and be assigned um, assignments in Washington, DC. and When I really got myself into the business I started at a local edition of CNN headline news in my hometown of Bethlehem Pennsylvania from there went back to a station in Burlington Vermont and then spent 10 years in New York while I was getting you know this ability while I was you know honing my skills as a journalist and and I had this ability to connect with people it was really hard when I was in New York because at the time my station wouldn't let us put our Twitter handle under our names. So for years that social media existed, people who wanted to pitch us still had to pick up the phone and call with a story. They still had to fax the station to get their, you know, 5k on our radar. So there were still so many old school you know, systems in place that we missed out on being able to connect so directly like we can today. Now, I mean, forget about it. The station has a podcast and they're on Instagram and they're everywhere, just like everybody else. But I do think for the early adopters, they were able to make so many more strides and connect with people and businesses and just really do so much more so much sooner because, you know, they they got the memo.
0: Yeah, you know, not to sound like crotchety old news lady, but I really sometimes get frustrated with the the timing because I'm going to be 40 this year, too. So you and I entered the market at the same time. We are such a hybrid of the old school way of journalism and doing things and not self promoting, eh, you know, on Mm -hmm. Facebook and then the new school, which is tell everybody everything, show Mm up, tell everybody about your personal life, even if you're at work, that I think we kind of got shafted, right? Because you have the new generation who has always felt connected to their audiences because they grew up on social media and you have your old school people. But we were this, we had to make the transition and depending on who your news director was or who was in management, they were either really uncomfortable with you becoming more of a personality and a human Mm -hmm. being through social media or they were super into it and pushing you and you had to kind of learn on the job. So it was a, it's a really weird spot to be in. We are like the elder millennials or zeal yeah. and, and we're just in such a weird spot with social media because we remember both ways and there's a way to be happy in both worlds, right. but we're right. in the middle.
1: Right. And so it, it's so interesting that you, you, you know, put that in the spotlight for a second because we're actually called digital Immigrants, right? We're digital immigrants. And oh, wow. people who have just been born with a phone in their hand and whose parents have been posting pictures since they were born and who've been navigating YouTube as a toddler, like my daughter, they're digital natives. And, you know, for someone like me, I understand the power of social media. I understand all of the good things that come with being online. I love being able to see friends and family and wish people a happy birthday or you know, see people have their children and watch their children grow up even if I don't live next door to them. Technology is incredible. We can find like-minded people, be part of communities, find support groups, be inspired by what people are reading and what they're cooking and where they're traveling. But putting all that to the side, like because of what you said, yeah, I I do remember this other life where not everything I did and ate and saw needed to be shared with the world. So right. now we're in a situation where people aren't comparing themselves just with their colleague because they're chatting at the water cooler about what they did over the weekend. They're comparing themselves with colleagues all over the world that they're never going to meet that they might not never have met, and these you know colleagues, so to speak, are influencers. They're people from really all walks of life that people follow, they consume their content, they then don't feel good about themselves. And it's the spiral that people can't stop until they just put down their phone, or they sign off completely.
0: Yeah, it's really frustrating. So in addition to all of your work in media, Jessica, you also interview entrepreneurs for entrepreneur.com. And you have a giant and vibrant YouTube page and social media following, of course, where you put all these interviews with people who have made an impact in the in the in the business world, I'm curious to know in your extensive interviews, and you've interviewed people in all different types of businesses too, um, what the overall thought is about how they approach social media, because there are plenty of people, including some people who submitted questions to me when I put this out on Instagram, that have a real tough time balancing how and what to share, especially if there's a business angle to their social media page. So what have you gleaned in talking to all of those people for entrepreneur about how they approach that delicate matter
1: so i think the first thing is how they're using social media most people understand at this stage of the game that they must be on it and even using video so it it used to be that if you posted it was enough and now that's not even enough now it's are you creating enough video are you doing reels you know the way that these algorithms keep us coming back and keep us on our toes is a really big part of this puzzle so the first thing is when you're using social media, how are you using social media? So are you talking in the same language as your consumer? Are you connecting with that person in that really powerful way? Are you someone who's trying too hard and that's what's making you feel really uncomfortable? Like you're not someone who wants to be talking in front of the camera for 30 seconds because you are someone who's behind the scenes at your company. You're not the front facing person, but now you've been tasked with running your company's social media. So what do you do? I think people are identifying, at least the people who are really successful, where do they feel comfortable? What is needed for them to have the social media account that's effective and then where can they marry those two worlds and then also where can they push themselves to go a little further outside the box when necessary so i never tell people especially with my media training clients i never tell people to show up as someone that they aren't because then it it just never works it's uncomfortable for everyone in the same way when you and i would do a live shot if we were fumbling through notes or we forgot what we were going to say that would make the viewer uncomfortable. So first and foremost, you have to understand where you fall in this game and what works for you for now and let yourself grow and evolve over time instead of showing up on day one with this you know, really fancy video with all this equipment that you don't even know how to work and at the end of the day, you don't even wanna be doing. So that's number one. Number two, I think people really like behind the scenes, which enables everyone to see that you are not this millionaire entrepreneur who became a success overnight and you had a manicure and pedicure happening at the same time while you grew your business. Like just chilling, everything came to you and it was easy. The behind the scenes enables people to see, you know, the blood, sweat and tears, so to speak. But at the same time, some people don't know where that line is and what they should or should not share. So my feeling to that is only you know what you feel comfortable sharing. There are people who have experienced profound grief and loss and pain and trauma. And the way that they've been able to heal and cope and survive is by sharing their story online. And that's an incredible thing, not only for them, but for the people they're inspiring, for the people they're educating, for the people who might feel how they feel, and now they don't feel alone. But if you ever get yourself into a situation where you're sharing so much, and then you can't take it back, and you feel like maybe you were just caught in a bad moment on a bad day, and you went way too far, and got off topic even to what your business is all about, that's where people I think have to kind of hold the reins and figure out, okay, what is going to be my system of what I will share and what I won't share related to my personal life, related to my business, because once it's out there, it's out there. And even when you delete something, given the ability to screenshot and whatever else, you know, it really is hard to take back what you say and it's hard to take back what you post. I mean, do you have an exercise you
0: ever run clients through as far as finding their boundaries? And again, speaking from personal experience in the news business, knowing that there were people comfortable sharing every aspect of their personal lives in addition to their professional lives, all the way down to people who only would tweet or share something on Instagram if it was in the studio, right? It runs the spectrum, I think, in every business. But what exercise do you run people through to help them gauge what they are truly comfortable sharing and what they won't wake up the next day and regret having posted?
1: I think it just goes back to everything else about their lives and their brand. If their whole brand is about being authentic and unfiltered and exposing you know, whatever it is that they expose or highlight, and this is just part of what they do. There's usually more wiggle room and there's usually a better strategy around, okay, I'm not giving Monday. Maybe I said too much, but this is how we're going to use it to our advantage. Then there are other people who they don't share at all, ever. And for that one day that they might share too much and r- regret it, that exercise is how will you feel tomorrow when this is out there and, and a week from now and a month from now and, helping them really separate being judged by others versus they just don't want that information out there because so often our our boundary exercise is based off of what other people will think about us. Our brains are wired to care about what other people are doing, to care what they to care about what they think of us. Our reputations are incredibly important to our brains and and our bodies. So sometimes it's just a simple exercise of asking people do you not want this information out there because you are not ready and it won't serve you and it's not good for you and your life and your mental health? Or are you afraid of what other people will think? And then we have to have that conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really great litmus test. Will you wake up tomorrow or Next week and regret it. I have woken up in the middle of the night and deleted Instagram posts because I have news brain and have been trained. This is a whole thing in therapy, by the way. I call myself the catastrophizer in chief. But apparently, after working in news for so long, I tend to really think about the worst case scenario. So I've woken up in the middle of the night and worried about, for example, a picture I posted of my kids or something I shared and have deleted it. And I found that I use that sort of impulse, that feeling. I remember what that feeling was like. And It's the filter that I run everything through now. Will I regret will this be a middle of the night delete? And if it will be, not worth sharing.
1: So I love that. And and we could have that conversation forever and ever because in TV news, for the most part, I can't speak for every news director across America, but in the places that I worked, there was no place to process anything that you covered. And on a Monday, you might have been at a triple homicide, and Tuesday been at a parade, and right. you weren't allowed to breathe in between. It was just expected that you were going to turn content because you were just this vessel of information. And I think it it does do something to us. And I definitely had to feel that in my own you know, in my own career path as well as I started to leave the newsroom and I had more distance, like. Evaluate how I see the world, and especially when I became a mom, what I thought about people and what people are capable of definitely didn't spin toward the light of people are good. Thank God my husband is here, and it reminds me people are good all the time. But you know, when you spend 20 years of your life focusing on the A block of content, which is the first part of a newscast, you know the saying is if it bleeds, it leads. So you're only around those horrible, terrible things. And I do think when it comes to social media when you have that brain of, oh gosh, how will this be perceived or analyzed or consumed or digested? You can really quickly go to, you know, the doom and gloom of social media and quick you know, quickly press delete. But I think at the end of the day, like the the bucket piece of advice for this, you know, the overall arching theme is when in doubt, don't. Because you'll know when you're ready. For the most part, there might be a day that you're like, eh, eh, eh post. And then all of a sudden your life changes because sometimes that's what happens with growth. You know, we have to be uncomfortable to then get to the next phase. But I do think for the most part, if you're in a one in doubt, don't situation, it can give you a little bit more time to figure out like how you feel and what your strategy is and also plan for if things don't go well, how you're going to use that to your advantage. And that's where working with a social media strategist, a crisis management person, having those people be part of the conversation can help you because you're not flying solo. I
0: love that. How can you tell if your relationship with social media is a healthy or unhealthy one?
1: I mean I think if your whole day is holding your phone staring at your phone and dictated by what other people are doing and you're measuring your self-worth you know off of all of that information that's a really good indicator of where things stand for you at this moment in time but I wouldn't I wouldn't make yourself worse Um, you know, by thinking, oh shoot, not only am I feeling all these crappy feelings based off of what I'm seeing and consuming, but now I'm mad at myself for even letting myself feel this way. I want you, if that's where someone falls who's listening, to take a minute and to realize this is what psychologists call the social comparison theory. As animals, it's in our DNA to compare our status to the status of other animals. So in the same way, I will have to go to the gym for the rest of my life to have a six-pack. I actually have to work just as hard to train my brain to remember that what I'm seeing isn't someone's whole story. You know, it's what they call psychologists uh, refer to as selective positive information. Basically, it's a curated highlight reel of what people want us to see. And if you haven't seen the documentary Fake Famous, I highly recommend it. There's a scene, I'm not spoiling the whole thing for you, but there's a scene where People are being photographed, taking a look into an airplane window and just like the views are incredible. Meanwhile, when the camera pulls out, it's a toilet seat that they're looking in and the view behind the toilet seat is something made up. So I'm not saying, that, you know, your best friend or your high school nemesis who just announced she's pregnant isn't really pregnant and she's not really happy and all these things. What I am saying is you don't know how she got there. You don't know that whole story. And for us to compare ourselves to people, especially people we don't know, and I guess especially to people we do know, all that's doing is robbing us of our joy. So if you wake up in the morning and you haven't even brushed your teeth and you're already in a bad mood because you gave your power and joy away to someone else online, we, we got to talk about it. Yeah,
0: it's oh, it's so sneaky though, Jessica, because you can be an otherwise really centered and balanced and healthy yeah. person and you just end up on the scroll and see something that triggers you in some way and not to overuse that word, but it's, it's sneaky. And I think for me, it's been helpful to set up designated parameters for like times of the day where I can log on, check in, respond, but then I so easily fall off the wagon. But it's truly, you don't have to, we're not unstable mentally. Everybody, even who feels like they've got a grip on who they are in this world and has a list of things to be proud of, can fall victim. And I think that's like the insidiousness of this whole thing. It's like everybody has fallen
1: victim to that. I mean, we are sending people into space. We are curing diseases. We are doing amazing things as human beings. And it is crazy how if one bad comment comes up on our feed, that can throw us into a tizzy. And you're right. It's all of us. I have yet to meet anyone that I've interviewed, whether it's a C-suite person at Starbucks or a person who just started a business in their garage. I've yet to meet one person who has said, I am on social media, and i I it just makes me a better person, and it makes me happy every single time I go on. Just I haven't met that person. The people who say, you know, I, I'm living a really healthy, balanced life, and I'm not thrown off by anything social media related tend to not be on social media at all. But I I think you know the science of it all, the increase in our stress levels, anxiety, stress, that fear of missing out, I mean, Sunny, it's bananas, but there was a study that looked at how we use our phones and it found that half of the time we answer our phone, it's because it's ringing, it's dinging, it's buzzing, there's something going on that makes us think, I need to pick up my phone. The other half of the time, we're replying and responding to this phantom buzz. Our you know, brains are thinking, uh-oh, what are we missing? Someone might have liked that last selfie we posted or someone might have commented. And as a result, we pick up our device. We log on to see what's going on. Even if there's nothing there, we stay on. And now we've wasted more time because we got right back into this bad habit. So these are all ways that I think we can say to ourselves, okay, I need to make social media work for me not the other way around Mm -hmm. give yourself permission to laugh at yourself and at the end of the day realize that if you are being triggered by certain things i think if you get to the root of your rut and acknowledge it's around engagements or pregnancy announcements or job promotions or weight loss whatever it might be spending time doing an audit on your own life and asking yourself, okay, what am I really doing in this area? Am I really doing everything I can? If you are doing everything you can in this department, then I think you need to just give yourself a break and find things that really just bring you joy and light you up and sort of shift your energy a bit. But if everything we're saying today goes a little bit deeper, I also wanna remind people that it's OK to not be OK and it's OK to ask for help. And help is out there. There's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. I think we have to destigmatize all of the, the things that are you know, bubbling up around mental health every day. And I think in 2021, we're doing a better job. But I still think a lot of people can't be cured by just following a really positive influencer, because that's just not where they are. And that's not what this is about. So, you know, I'm not a a licensed professional to talk about the mental health things in depth, but in depth, but I really hope to God that the people who listen to our conversation are inspired to talk with the people around them who might be able to help them when social media is triggering things for them in a really unhealthy, unsafe way.
0: Yeah, I heard this this very practical tip once on a podcast and it just made so much sense and I have partially implemented it, but not quite. She recommended going through who you're following and really actively unfollowing or muting people who you know, you may enjoy their content here and there, but who have triggered you in any way and just find a way to audit your account, go back every month check in on who you're following because you're giving those people your time. And I said, well, that's actually kind of brilliant because I just randomly will follow people. I, I rarely unfollow anyone, but utilize the mute button, utilize the unfollow if you have to and make your feed a place where you feel at home. I don't know why, but we all seem to have feeds where we're looking at these five, 10 models doing backbends on the beach in Sydney, Australia. And we're like, oh, well, this is depressing. You know, <laughs> why is it my life? a literal walk on the beach, but hearing someone sort of give me permission to say, actually, it's really simple. Just go through and unfollow. And I was like, oh, I don't know why that was revelatory to me, but it gave me that sense of ownership back onto my feed, which I feel like has been taken over sometimes by things that I don't identify with anymore. So I try to do that when I can just add it.
1: I tell everybody, you know, we used to live in a world where if you were going to debate with people, let's say about politics and it was at your dinner table, it would just be confined to the people at your dinner table. And now when we post that debate is worldwide and how that all of that information makes us feel, depending on what people are saying, can really, you know, put us in a place that isn't great. So. Whether it's because of politics, whether it's just because a family member doesn't respect you as a person or your boundaries and they're not good for your mental health, whatever the reason might be, you don't even need a reason. If it just doesn't feel good, the the content or the comments, whatever it might be, a hundred percent you have permission and let Sunny and I be the people, you know, to be your cheerleaders in your corner, being the ones to give you that permission today if you if you're looking for someone to give it to you, unfollow use those guidelines on all these apps that help you restrict the people who are in your network. You might just snooze them or hide them until you feel like you can absorb their content in a better way that works for you. Because at the end of the day, this is all about you. No one's here forever. So if you weren't going to pay money to go to see someone's, you know, quote, unquote, TED Talk, I love when people, you know, share their their ideas and at the bottom say, well, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. But in real life, if you weren't going to Pay to see someone talk and and share, you know, in a one woman, one man, one person show. Um, why would you pay them with your time during the day? That's really profound,
0: Jess. I love that. Yeah, I mean, make your feed be the people you would pay to see. Make your feed be the people you would actively seek out outside. Oh, I love that. Um, it, In your research for this book, or even in your day-to-day life, is there anyone whose account you've come across? It could be a politician, a celebrity, even a person you just personally know who does social media
1: right, and if so, who? So I just interviewed the two moms, excuse me, behind an account called Big Little Feelings, given that I have a three-year-old. I don't know how I stumbled on this account, but I did during the pandemic. I love the way they produce their content because they're really just true to who they are, but they're also giving practical advice. So they know who their consumer is and they know how they're targeting their consumer every single time they go online. And there's no, there's no confusion as to what I'm going to get when I go to their feed. You recommended
0: that in your book, actually. And I immediately went over and followed them because I'm going to see if I can actually Big Little Feelings. let to see if I can have producer Rachel bring this up. There it is. Okay, so the interesting thing here too, guys, is that Big Little Feelings went from uh, like zero, a brand new platform, to 1.6 million followers over the course of essentially the pandemic. And as you can see, as Rachel is scrolling, it's really practical, sort of info-based content. It's a lot, if you're listening on the podcast, obviously you can't see. It's infographics. It's tips. This one is a toddler mealtime tip. I mean, these are people who are showing up for their audience and delivering. And Jess, if we could pop you back on, getting your thoughts on, so there's a different way. This is what I always kind of talk about with people. I'm not a social media expert, but when people are ready to open an account, you do, there is a, a decision you make at some point in the process. Will I be... An information source? Will I be a personality? Will I be a comedy account? Will I be a. Blah, blah, blah? Do you find that people have to stay niche, have to stay in one lane in order to succeed
1: on social media? So I struggle with this in my own social media posting because I have the vertical of being an author, the vertical of being a journalist, then I media train people. So it's sort of like. I don't want to give people market confusion. Like, okay, what are we getting from her today? At the same time, all of those things make me who I am. And those are all the things that I'm doing on any given day. So this is when I think, understanding your overall brand strategy and knowing your founder's story, what the story is that you want to be out there about you, the founder versus the company as a whole, or, you know, your startup journey, whatever, whatever that story is that you're putting out there. That's like bucket one that you can always be posting and sharing. Then bucket two is what does your company actually do? What does your brand represent and stand for? Who do you serve? What's your your customer avatar look like? And then how do those people, consume information and what's their lingo and being able to talk with them and getting a sense get a sense of what they expect because i think it's really hard to have like you know for for bucket one it's really easy for you sunny to say this is who i am this is my experience this is my story if i'm being interviewed this is what i can talk about myself but if someone wants to talk to you about your show you know and you and i i know you post the way that you post and you engage your your audience it's for them, you're doing it with them in mind at all times. So I think you have to figure out somewhere in between those two things, who you are as a person and what your company is all about, Where where is your style, but also how does it match the people following you? So for big little feelings, it might be really off-putting if they showed up in you know a formal suit and they sat at a desk and you know they gave advice or we never saw anything about their families or their messy house and their laundry all over the floor like that would be hard to relate to as a parent you know to not be Mm -hmm. able to see people want to see themselves when they're going online and that's how people connect with content so you know, there's a picture of Dina, the mom, um, just shortly after giving birth, talking about what it's like to be a new mom. So this is not what you usually see, which is the uh, professional photo shoot with a baby wrapped in a basket and everything looking like life is easy and everyone is well rested. So what does that look like for your company? What does that look like for your, sto- for your personal story of how you got to where you are? And I think those are good places to start. But again, you don't have to fly this journey on your own. There are people out there who have years of experience studying advertising, marketing, social media marketing, who you can work with to help you.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I do find that it can seem like a frivolous purchase, but time spent with a social media coach honing in Mm -hmm. on exactly those things you said, Jess, can be really valuable. I really struggle with that too, being someone who's forward facing in their company, but it's not about me. And uh, it's just, it's exhausting to like figure out how to show up and you can tell right away, if something that you share isn't in alignment or doesn't work, you almost feel it. And You're like, oh, I hate to put this out there, you know. Yeah. So I, I say, you know, tap into the experts, and it is psychological on some level too. Someone sitting down with you and asking, okay, who are you? What do you, feeling do you want to give people when they come to your page, or what do you want to deliver? It's just it, there's a lot to it. You know, it's easy to brush off social media being like, oh God, it's just a bunch of selfies. Yeah. But in reality, it's our virtual calling card. It's a virtual business card.
1: So it does have to really match who we are. And if is- someone is in a position where they can't afford a social media coach, this is what this is an, a perfect example of why I love social media. Go follow a bunch of them and watch their reels, watch their videos, absorb their content. For a lot of people, digital courses is the ticket right now. So someone might offer a digital course for $97 that over the course of four weeks walks you through the exact exercises you need to figure out your founder story, your brand story, and how to share all that story online. So resources are out there. You just have to use social media in a way that's going to help you and take your business to the next level. But those tips and resources are available and they're available for free.
0: I love that. One very specific takeaway you gave in the book as well, and I wanted to just touch on briefly was, and it it plays into this whole discovering our brand theme. You were helping someone sort of hone her pitch and hone her brand, and you had her write an email to someone close to her asking, what are my five attributes that, you know, most um, obvious attributes? Can you walk us through what that exercise is and um, how that works for someone who's trying
1: to define their brand? Sure. So I think oftentimes we are amazing at being other people's cheerleaders, advocates, support systems, and even, you know, I'm wonderful at holding up a magnifying glass and saying to someone, these are all of your skills and strengths because they're so clear and big to to my eyes. But when it comes to doing that for ourselves, it's at sometimes nearly impossible because so many of us suffer from imposter syndrome, the why do I deserve to be here? And why would people ever listen to me sort of thinking? So when we go to the people who are closest in our circle, the people who love us and believe in us and see the good in us, those are some of the markers, but also some of the buzzwords that we can use in our bio, in our mission statement, in our company values because sometimes we're just too close to our own material for us to see what it is we bring to the world. But when we go to the people who are near and dear to us, they can see it with so much ease because they're with us all the time and having them have a minute or two to tell us what makes us great or special or stand out or what we do that inspires them. First of all, it might be information you've never heard of in your life, but it also might give you a really good way to see yourself in a different light because you're seeing it through other people's eyes. And the other thing I just wanted to share based off of what you were saying earlier, Sunny, for people like you and me, like we were trained not to have a voice. We were trained to bring other people's voices to the forefront. And it's also taken me too a really long time to sort of flip that script because when I would have hosting auditions for other things outside of TV news, the one, piece of feedback i got every single time was but well, we don't know how you feel about that topic you didn't insert yourself enough but mm. i was taught to be a great journalist you weren't allowed to do that to be a journalist at all you know your your opinion and what you stood for or against didn't matter so people might feel that way because of parents and their upbringing, because of a boss, because of a significant other. People still might be around that limiting belief of what you say and what you have to say and what you think no one cares about. So there are a lot of people who might not have come up the ranks like we did through TV news with this thinking. They might have this experience in other ways. And just you know, to park this whole social media conversation, there just might be some. You know work that that person wants to do or time they want to spend looking at themselves and the people around them and just identify have i ever felt this way has anyone ever kind of turned my thoughts off like a faucet and before you just turn that faucet back on and let it all you know pour out and overflow and you know end up with a flood in your bathroom just see where that happened how that happened when that happened and then what you want to do with all that information, how you want to make sense of all of it. And then perhaps you're going to use that, you know, newfound knowledge about yourself in your, in the way you show up to the world.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, you are just speaking my language. There are many people and whether it was in our experience through our professional life or in their personal life who were taught that our opinion doesn't matter. um, And and in truth, there are many topics worth covering that shouldn't have opinions, but, it is. It's a hard trans. It's a hard thing to get over. It's a mental block for some. So hearing you address that is really important because personality drives brand. I think the brands that I'm most attracted to, whether it be a podcast or a blog, um, not only are they sharing information, but they are sharing their opinion. They're sharing color commentary. As we say, you know, it's like the color guy in sports. I mean, that's the yeah. person people tune in for. But God, it's hard to train yourself out of out of the fear of doing that, right? If that was how you were brought up in your job or world. So I like hearing you address that. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, Jess, I wanted to get your thoughts on the social media fast or social media break. Lots of people have implemented certain specific periods of time away from their social media in an effort to reconnect and just recharge. Have you ever done that? And what advice do you have for people who might think, okay, now's the time I need a little break. How can we tell if we're ready for a social media break?
1: So I think if you're thinking about whether or not you need a social media break, you probably do. And we don't have enough time for the things that we love and the people we love on a good day. So if you feel like you are just disconnected from the things that make you happy then this is an excellent time to take a break and it doesn't have to be a long break it could just be from the time I wake up until lunch if that's where you feel you're ready to start. So I think sometimes we think we have to make these big 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 steps and they have to be you know giant leaps but really just a small little step can you know be can be huge. So the first thing is to keep in mind you do not need to make your social media apps so accessible to you all of the time. If you're going to keep them on your phone Don't have them on your home screen, put them in a folder on the second or third home screen. So when you pick up your phone, you actually have to swipe to get to them because just that habit of why am I holding my phone and why am I going into my apps right now when I could be doing X, Y, Z, or I could call someone to say hello, or I could go for a walk around my block for 10 minutes or whatever you wanna do. Kind of catching yourself in the act a little bit can help you monitor your social media usage. And doing a detox, for a little bit, I think can be great. When I moved from New York to LA, everybody in the newsroom I was working in was starting to get so many new opportunities because the newsroom had been bought out. And I was so excited to be a newlywed and to start this new life across the country, but a piece of me just sort of felt like, oh my gosh, I've been at this network for 10 years and now I'm leaving. And there a little bit of me was just like, gosh, like this timing is, you know, not, not, the best timing ever. So I actually had to unfollow people who were posting every single day or move that app off my phone completely for a bit and make myself, if I wanted to go onto Facebook, have to type in my name and log in because that exercise is so annoying in and of itself. It would make people stop and think, okay, I could be looking at whatever other people are doing in my old newsroom, or I could be making a coffee date with someone in LA that someone said I should meet, and start building my life here. And that's what I did, and I haven't looked back, and I don't miss a second of that old life. And you know, I I just sort of think that these breaks, these cleanses that we do, we, we're so quick to do them with juices to rid ourselves of carbs, but you know, we we don't think we should be doing that with the people in our life and the content in our life. But th- it's just as important as it is, you know, to clean out your gut from time to time. You need to clean out your brain from time to time too.
0: Yeah, it is truly the most peaceful feeling is just a day or even like five hours spent without yeah. social media.
1: Even one it's hour, crazy. just like make yourself say, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to start with a, like a thought of gratitude or I'm going to wake up and start with a glass of water. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to put on underwear and then I will check my social media opposed to like, you know, that, and then that your whole day is just you know run away from you for no reason.
0: Oh, it's the worst for like Pavlov's dogs. I just like wake up and I crawl to my bathroom and I'm just like, you know, I'm really trying though, Jess, I'm trying. And you're doing an awesome job uh you know i will check the news headlines but i do try to put off instagram because that's just that can wait so jessica you have been such a pleasure to talk to your book i've been reading the kindle version so i don't have it to hold up but has been such a great source not only of information and tips but it made me feel a little less um alone in my conflicting feelings about social media i love how you tie in your own personal stories and you're talking to different experts and their their lens on social media so i encourage anybody who's not only looking for practical tips on you know how to make your own channels great but people who are just looking to deal with the the complexity the psychology of what social media is your book really covers it all so i love it. it again it's called unfiltered how to be as happy as you look on social media jessica tell us where we can get this book
1: Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for having me, Sunny, and for all your kind words and support. I I love that you and I have reconnected. It means really so, so, so much to me, and I've loved watching your career explode, too. Um, You can get in touch with me on JessicaAbo.com. My book is sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold at independent booksellers, and I'm on Instagram, too, so if you are having a hard time finding it, let me know, and I can try to help you track down a copy.
0: Yeah, it's so good. And you have an intro by Kelly Rutherford. How cool is
1: that? Oh, that just comes from playing a news reporter on Gossip Girl a bunch of times. He and I became very good friends, but they needed a news reporter and a news anchor. So if you're a Gossip Girl fan, you might have seen me. (laughs) Oh my God, wait, tell us what episode. I
0: I just recently binged the whole thing because again, like kind of out of my age bracket, but when the pandemic started, I watched it. So what season are you in and what episodes?
1: That's hilarious. Okay, so when Serena is, I can't remember if she's in a rehab or a hospital, but the whole family's in the waiting room. And it was right after Halloween where I think um, someone had uh, put something in something she was drinking or eating. I can't remember the exact, the exact. Yes. Oh my God. Sure. But the whole family's in the waiting room and they turn to the television and I'm the anchor. That's basically breaking this news about Serena Vanderwood's in. And then um, yeah. in episodes later, um, there's something going on between Kelly's character and, what was what was her husband's name? Rufus. Rufus. Yeah. Uh-huh. So coming out of a courthouse, and I'm the reporter running up the steps asking a question about if they're going to get back together. Then, in the, I think in the season, the series, and season, the season and series finale, um, Leighton Meester is looking at a laptop because a plane has gone down, and I'm the anchor talking about the plane. So there's been a bunch. I was uh, the reporter in Spider Man Two, you know. Um, Asking people like what they saw in the scene that happens in Times Square, so it's been it's been really fun, or it used to be really fun to to be in the newsroom and and play that role. But I must say, I was more nervous to play a reporter on TV than I ever ever was to be a reporter on TV. <laughs> I
0: know, isn't that funny? <laughs> people always ask you, can you just? Talk in your news reporter voice, and you're like, "Uh, that is my (laughs) voice.
1: What? (laughs) 100%. And the other party trick, too, is wherever I would go, you know, pre COVID, where we'd all be around a dinner table, uh, I was always introduced as the Robin from How I Met Your Mother. But this is Jessica. She's just like Robin from How I Met Your Mother. Oh my God. You know, dating myself also with that show, too. But anything news related, and oh I, I don't think i've ever left a dinner, dinner party without being asked to do like a sign off you know like jessica Abo, 27 news first or whatever <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it the old
0: stick out the oh, old stick out uh, exactly ratty chair yes oh my god jess uh we need to talk more offline and um chat about and it. reminisce some more so yeah. um thank you again so much it was truly a joy talking to you
1: today jessica Oh, I loved being with you, Sunny. Thank you. And thank you, Producer Rachel, for all of your magic behind the scenes.
0: She's waving. She's gonna pop on for a little post-show wrap. All right, Jess, we'll chat soon. <laughs> Let's bring on producer You're Rachel. Welcome, oh my Jess. It <laughs> was awesome. It's so fun to like talk with a fellow newsie. It's a real specific type of experience being in TV news. And I feel like you and I kind of touch on some of the things, but I'm only really starting to see the, I don't want to be dramatic, but like the psychological impact. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, girl. The job we did. I'm not kidding. I just had my second, I found a new therapist. I'm loving her. Oh, good. We had our second session and we're talking about my tendency to catastrophize. And she's like, I think you really underplayed what a role your job has has played in your worst case scenario thinking. She's like, you know, she gets it a lot, she said from nurses, doctors, Mm -hmm. anyone who has experienced or spends a lot of time talking about traumas. It just felt good to be validated because I just thought I was crazy, you know? Yeah,
2: honey, no you're not. You've just you've just dealt with a lot and you know, I didn't deal with any of this stuff that we would do in the newsroom until like years later, you know, and not, like stuffing down emotions, stuffing down feelings. We couldn't have feelings because if you have feelings, how are you supposed to get words out of your mouth when you're on, you know, on TV or get through a show and you've got an anchor throwing scripts and screaming at you in the newsroom, you know, like how
0: you have to just Wait, survive. Has that ever happened? Has, has anyone ever kicked over a printer live during a newscast? <laughs> that wasn't me, by the way. That I mean, wasn't really Sunny. Stuff. No, Sunny oh always God, had I it know.
2: together. Sunny never yelled at me, ever.
0: No, I wasn't a yeller. I mean, but I don't think um, I yelled at
2: you. Did I ever
0: yell at you? No, but you got sweet. really heated. We were like, oh, good. Yeah, we're I would kids- get. Great, yeah. in a bad mood today. We would just stay out of your. Uh, that's because I know what that's like to be in a mood, and I don't want to be provoked or want to be talked to. So I would just be like, "Let's give her. Let's give her a wide berth today." Let's give her um, some space. No, I know. I've learned
2: so much from that experience, though, and I've had to really dial down and just like let go. Like I'm yeah. so much better at just going like, okay. It's yeah. okay. They're, the the show's on fire, but you know what? It's gonna be fine. I can't fix it. I can't control it. I can't go back. And I've had to learn how to like really let things go and not make it such a catastrophe, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, small things. Like there's only so much we can control, and just learning that, and you know, obviously through my therapy journey and stuff like that, it's helped. So I think you're on the right path, Sunny. What was the other thing Jessica said about? Oh, doing hosting auditions because. I can relate to this so much. I went in for an audition for a big network, like pretty recently, maybe be- right before the pandemic. And I did the read, and I have the, you know, the, uh, the opinion, but not. And like, it's talking about celebrity, and she's like, "Okay, but like, who are you?" And like, how do you feel about that story about Kanye and Kim? And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't give a flying fuck about Kim and Kanye. <laughs> I don't care. <gasps> this is stupid. I I want to say that but like that's not what they want. And if you look at what's on TV, those people don't have opinions. They don't have Um, opinions. They just have like a personality or they've got like a flair and it just makes me crazy. Cause I'm like, I couldn't actually tell you my opinion. And if I really loved Kim and Kanye, I couldn't tell you that either because they really don't want that on TV. In my opinion, social media. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh, at that point I was like, Oh, I didn't get this job. So it was just like, all right, let me just phone in some kind of third take of this audition because she doesn't want me. I'm not what they're looking for. They don't want a professional host who can actually deliver content with a personality but without a true opinion of pissing anybody off. Because like I know how that works. I can't say I hate Kim and Kanye because their publicist <laughs> is watching and they're never going to come on the show. I was like, oh, you people. I know the entertainment you know,
0: world. I have to change real quick. Hold on. Theater? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> no the entertainment world is unique in that way. Like they want you to show up with personality and um, show up with flair and like in news, literally it's beaten. It's just trained out of you. Yes. Like if you so much as look, I remember covering certain political stories and getting emails. I could tell by the way you looked at your co-anchor that you're a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, no. it's, just, it's, it's insane. So you really are trained. And that's why social media for me and for my age group is just, I think it's hard. We're like Jessica said, we're sandwiched in between a generation who knows how to be opinionated, who who really thinks their opinion matters. And it it's old school and it's fucking, it doesn't. That's the other thing. I'm like, anything I say, it just really doesn't matter. Let's stick with the, I'm just boring is what I'm trying to say. Like, let's stick with the facts. We're going to get farther sharing good information than we are. Yeah my opinion on things but people you know people want a little flair they want a little personality I really liked her book I hope anyone who listened checks it out because it's um it's different than a how-to manual it has all of that stuff in there but it has just a real um sort of edge of, of of humanity too where she talks about all of the implications of social media too so oh yeah I think your guys's advice of like
2: taking what did Jessica say um if somebody's like flooding your feelings in your bathroom of emotion, you know, that's a for sure sign of someone to mute and unfollow. I love the mute button and I love the unfollow button and I exercise that. And I unf- somebody else also recommended to unfollow um celebrities cuz like like true a-list celebrities. Like you don't need to be following Julia Roberts like
0: No, yeah, she's like, that's not her real life anyway. By the way, it's like a run through three PR people in 10 filters, you know. We're good,
2: it's like there's unfollow those people if you're curious from time to time, you know, go and search in the search bar and scroll her feed. But like, those people aren't serving you in any way, you know, and yeah, so
0: yeah, that's that.
2: All right, I'm gonna Excellent go conversation.
0: I got, I got my first shot yesterday. So I know.
2: I, got, oh I saw your ban- band-aid halfway through and I almost messaged you like, why do you still have your band-aid on? Did you forget to take it off? Are you bleeding?
0: What's going on, Sunny? I feel like you not know, to take it off. My kids are fascinated with it. They're like, oh, can I see the hole? Is the hole in there? I'm like, no. <laughs> I just like using it to curry a little love from my children. They're like, oh, mommy, you're so brave. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Oh, this is big for me, though. I put this vaccine off for a while out of sheer laziness and just, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But I have to be vaxxed for this upcoming Disney cruise that we're going on. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to spite the bullet. You and I have a trip coming up. Yep. We should do a little podcast from the road. It's a work trip. Oh,
2: so. oh, my God. We should. We should. We should hop on and do something and show us actually in the same room together yeah. being I'm so fun kooky-doo, you'll get to see behind the scenes when we're on, on right. set. And you'll see that I'm actually very cool, calm, and collected behind the scenes nowadays than I used to
0: be. You are still cool, calm, and collected. You got it under control. Everybody needs, oh, like cool. I always say, everybody needs a producer, Rachel, in their life get the best. All right. Bye, Bye, Rach. Thank you so much. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, spending some time with us this morning. Please leave a rating and review. Just take time, scroll down to the bottom of your little podcast icon where the show is, and um, five-star rating and review. That actually helps so much in getting this podcast some good traction. Thank you for listening, talk.com slash blog is the place where all of the article breakdowns go. So if you're looking to read more, if reading is more your thing, check out the blog as well. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you next week with more good stuff here on We Gotta Talk. Bye.